Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash themoviewave. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Audibletrial.com slash themoviewave. What have I to fear? The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Yes. I've met them. Takes us a while to get any traction, I'll give you that one. But let's do a head count here. Your brother, the demigod, a super soldier, living legend, who kind of lives up to the legend, a man with breathtaking anger management issues, a couple of master assassins, and you, big fella, you've managed to piss off every single one of them. That was the plan. Not a great plan. When they come, and they will, They'll come for you. I have an army. We have a Hulk. It's time to dive in the dirty waters of film criticism. Tricycle Radio presents The Movie Wave with Sergio Calvo. Hello and welcome to the Movie Wave podcast. I am Sergio Calvo, a motion arts editor of Tricycle. It's episode 20. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about... Avengers Assemble, uh, which is an adaptation of the Marvel comic book and the reunion of uh, six of uh, Marvel's superheroes. And in order to do that, uh, I wanted to gather the whole movie wave assembled here. Uh, Apparently, Susanna cannot make it, uh, but we have uh, Mark Renger, Hello. The, the great film and television critic. And, That's me. And, and film critic George Sully. Hey. Oh, good to have you back. Good to be back. Excellent. Um, before we get to the into the main discussion, as always, we will talk about the films that we've been watching. So let's start uh, with you, George. Well, I'm, I'm afraid... Due to my full-time commitments, the the chances of me seeing films is pretty slim. I made a special effort to see the Avengers, yeah. and was uh, was happy enough to see that. But I'm afraid uh, my evening is getting booked up pretty quick now that I'm working full time. So I actually haven't been able to see any other films lately. Uh, so I'm going to have to pass over to Mark. Uh, no, no problem. I have a lot of material to fill up to fill the gap. <laughs> so I'm I'm fine. Uh, let, let's see what Mark has seen. Well, away from my computer monitor and the massive amounts of uni work I've had, I have bought the Blu-ray of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo from David Fincher, which we've discussed before. Uh, and I've been thoroughly enjoying watching it again as well. So, as always, I would recommend that film because it's excellent. It's a very good adaptation of a very good book. And it's better than the Swedish one. Just because the other ones in Swedish doesn't make it superior. seen it <laughs> i finally seen it i saw the david fincher's uh, david fincher's version and um yeah i mean uh, he, he does a pretty good job and uh, it's actually it's actually pretty good and uh, it's i think he does improve some of the some parts of the original but at the same time uh i was while i, I was watching it i was thinking uh, I was still thinking that there was no point for the remake 
it seems so soon after the last one. Yes. Yeah. I mean, by last one, I mean the original Swedish version. For me, for me, it felt too soon, and um, uh, I, I don't think he added added up too much. I, he, they did make a few changes, but a part of that, it, it was basically the same thing in in the English language. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, I, he, he, he did a pretty good job. I mean, I, I didn't expect less from uh, David Fincher. Someone killed her. Someone on the island that day. Someone close enough to know what she used to give me each year on my birthday. Those are from her. The rest from her killer. The thing is, um, for me, was that uh, having read all the books first and then the Swedish one and then the American one, um, I found that Fincher rounded out the plot a lot more than the Swedish films. I think the Swedish films rushed uh, a few aspects and maybe and cut out some important plot bits, whereas I thought just the atmosphere and everything and, as I say, the plot points for Fincher's version were just more cl- uh, closer to what the book was. Uh, I also... The character of Elizabeth made a big impact in the Swedish film because she was a bit more angry and raggy, whereas I think the version in Finches was much truer to what she was in the book. Hi. You and I need to talk. I've got us some breakfast. I'm sorry, I didn't realise hey. you had some company. Hey, who do you think you are? I'm the guy you know better than my closest friends do. I think, I think as far as traditional... Um, film character epithets go, Raji should be added to the official terminology. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's my mission, is to get that onto a film poster. <laughs> the, char- the character's a proper Raj. <laughs> so, well, in, the, but, in the new version, she's a bit... She looks more vulnerable. And uh, the, you don't have... You don't sense the anger that you, you sensed on the, on the she's first more of the, version. She's more of the detached loner, which I think the book tried to get across, as opposed to the, the angry... Goth of this of the Swedish ones, fine newbie repass. I mean, very good performances all around in in both. But for me, it's not about the language; it's about the aspects of the plot that were dumbed down for the Swedish one, which you know were reinstated a bit heavier in the American version. You know, I missed in the remake. uh, I missed a lot of the hacking parts of the original film or the first Mm. version. There wasn't much hacking going on. I like the whole. um, gadget stuff that you, you get on the first film a lot of uh, uh, gadgetry with uh, hacking and going through hacking into computers through the laptop and you, you see the whole process and you don't see much of that on the on the remake I think the problem is hacking it's, it's one of those things where it's easier to write about and to, to make fanciful than it is to actually show in real life <laughs> because you know what hacking films have actually showed any sort of um, sensible vision of hacking <laughs> it just hasn't happened so I think that's probably why I stayed away from it right okay right have you seen any other films apart of that I uh, unfortunately haven't no <laughs> haven't had the time <laughs> in that case I'm gonna dive in here with a couple of films the, the first one is uh, My Week with Marilyn I don't know if you guys seen it no no I heard of it what this um it's the, the real story of a young man from a very wealthy family who, who loves films, loves movies, and wants to work in the film business. So he goes to the, the office uh, of the, 
Lawrence Olivier Film Production Company and uh, asks for a job. And uh, finally, he does get a job in their in in their next production, which is a film uh, from uh, 90, uh, from 57 called The Prince and the Showgirl. And uh, he gets a job as a production assistant. And the film stars uh, Lawrence Olivier and uh, mm -hmm. Marilyn Monroe. So uh, we, we'll see the making of this film uh, by, by this young guy who gets very close uh, to, to Marilyn Monroe during the production of the film. And uh, the, Michelle Williams is playing Marilyn Monroe. As he says, she's wonderful. Uh, she portrays the the icon of Marilyn as a very insecure and naive and very delicate actress. Then we have Kenneth Branagh as well, who's a great uh, as Lawrence Olivier. And he, he shows both the admiration uh, that Oli, Oliver and, uh, Olivier uh, had for Marilyn and the frustration and, and the anger of working with a difficult actress because she wasn't easy to work with. <laughs> she, she used to turn up very late to work, uh, making uh, the, whole, the whole crew uh, wait for hours, and uh, she couldn't remember the, her lines. And it's great to see the, the, the cultural clash as well, because Marilyn obviously comes from America, where uh, uh, Stanislavski's method is very popular, uh, the, the new, this new the technique of uh, acting. And uh, Lawrence Olivier has a more... Um, Shakespearean technique. So there is this clash of these two different techniques and two, two different ways of uh, acting and doing, making movies. Marilyn, my darling, you are an angel and I kiss the hem of your garment, but why can't you get here on time? Marilyn has to prepare properly. You must apologize to Dame Sybil. Sybil. I'm so sorry. My dear, you mustn't concern yourself. A great actress like you has many other things on her mind. You think I'm a great actress? None of the rest of us truly know how to act for the camera. But you do. It's a rare gift. This poor girl hasn't had your years of experience. She's in a strange country acting a strange part. Now, are you helping or bullying? Thank you. Uh, I, I thought it was a very, very sweet film, a uh, very... Very romantic, actually, and a, a little nostalgic as well. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, another film I want to talk about uh, is, uh, is maybe a little bit more political. <laughs> it's Catastroika. Uh, uh, it's a it's a very interesting documentary about the the terrible consequences of uh, the privatization of the public sector in Greece. And the the, the title actually comes from uh, the combination of the words uh, catastrophe and troika. Troika is the tripartite uh, uh, led by the European Commission, the European Central Bank, and the IMF uh, that, that organized the financial rescues of Greece, uh, Ireland, and Portugal. You've probably heard of that on the news uh, quite a lot. And, and the film starts in, um, in Russia in the 1990s when the privatization of uh, public industrial assets uh, took place, and then, then the film moves on to other countries in Europe, uh, concentrated mostly in, in, in Greece. So uh, it's a documentary film. Uh, it's, it's quite dense and requires uh, probably your full attention because there is a lot of information in it. But it gives uh, a very, I would say, a deep understanding of the economic crisis in Europe. And it might also help cl clearing out the this uh, widespread negative idea that the Greeks are lazy, 
and that they, <laughs> they, they had it coming, <laughs> which is a very racist and a very, I would say, poisonous view. Uh, so this is a follow-up, actually, to another film uh, that was made before by the same producers. It was called Detocracy, a documentary about the reasons for the Greek economic crisis. And this first film got more than uh, two million views online. Uh, both, both films have been uh, financed by uh, regular people uh, on the internet. It's a, a crowd-funded project, project uh, which is something... It's a new way to finance independent films. It's something uh, very interesting that's happening right now. I think I think there is a website called Kickstarter where you can actually uh, give money for support uh, uh, independent uh, films or, or or ideas or projects. So uh, if anyone is interested in, in watching this film, uh, you can actually download it or stream it uh, online uh, for free uh, at uh, catastroica.com. Uh, we will uh, I will put the link on our website. So check it out. It's a very, very interesting. Here is a clip with the filmmaker Ken Loach, who was actually interviewed for the, for the film, talking about the legacy of a Margaret, Margaret Thatcher and the consequences of privatization. One of the most vicious prime ministers we've ever had. Her legacy is, is that um, greed is good. Her legacy is, is that you... We uh, the the rich should become more powerful, and that um, that we we to distrust our collective effort. Um, you know, it turns it's had the effect of turning whole generations or two generations maybe into thinking that that is how you have to live, into thinking there is no alternative. I mean, that was one of her phrases. There. It, there is no alternative, and um, it's we have to assert there is, you know, and that the that we can work together for the public good, and that the the crises and the collapse of capitalism is a product of capitalism. It's not. It's not because we can't work together. It's a consequence of of one way of organising the economy, um, and it's anti-human. It's inefficient. It's not a way of protecting the planet and the planet's resources. It will destroy the planet. Um, and to suggest that you, that the answer is to destroy those very things that stand opposed to it, like public ownership, is crazy. We must protect public ownership and spread it and reorganize society on that model, and then then we might succeed. On our last episode, I reviewed the film Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead. I don't know if you, Mark, remember. I remember, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> the diet challenge. Yes, the diet challenge. Why well, did the co- Hunger Games, as I like to call it. <laughs> Let, let's, call it let's call it the, the Hunger Games. Well, actually, let's not call it the Hunger Games, because, <laughs> to be honest, I, I didn't feel... Um, as hungry as I thought I was going to feel. The the idea for do, for those of the, of the listeners who didn't uh, listen to our, our last episode is that I committed to to a diet of uh, fruit and, ve- and vegetable smoothies for seven days. I saw this on Facebook. Right. So yes, I, I did put uh, a few a few pictures on Facebook with uh, a few recipes. The recipes that I uh, asked some of most of them. I think I made up. So I, uh, next to the, the recipe, you have a, a review of what I thought of it, uh, how did it taste, and uh, etc. 
So I, I did make it in the end, and I, I can now say that uh, yes, it was it was fine. Uh, I had a lot of fun doing the diet, <laughs> making the smoothies, uh, and I insist that I was never hungry, uh, which is very very surprising actually because wow. I, I thought I was gonna starve. So let's not call it the Hunger Games. Then. <laughs> let's do you feel get, better first? The smooth games, if 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 you want. I, I do. I do feel good. I I I've, what, I when I finished it, uh, I felt quite light actually. I I lost uh, four kilos. Wow. Uh, I, yes, it's very. Super, I didn't expect to to lose that much. Uh, but I, I would probably do it again. Uh, I think the next time I. I would like to do the the juice one, the juice diet, which is a bit more extreme. But uh, I think it's more um, you get more out of it in a, in, in in a short time. Because I tried the the, the last day I did uh, uh, just juicy. That's the the only thing I, I had was juices, and I could feel inside that you know there was something happening. <laughs> <laughs> There's some process going on in there. Uh, so yeah, since since I did the reboot, I have probably gained uh, some of the weight, uh, which is great because I didn't want to lose weight. Uh, but what I have done, I think I have integrated the smoothies into my normal diet. It's something I I, I, I enjoy doing, and I think I'm gonna keep doing. I guess that if you if you start a habit like this, there is no going back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I've been rebooted. <laughs> Wow. Uh, so, uh, for any of the listeners who want to, to, to check out the, the the updates that I put on Facebook and the recipes, uh, they can go to the Facebook page, The Movie Wave. No, sorry, facebook.com slash The Movie Wave. And talking of Facebook, now it is time to talk about Tricycle. Go to our Tricycle website at uh, tricycle.co.uk or on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash tricycle. And check out also uh, Mark Granger's Glorious TV column, where he talks about TV shows like uh, Britain's Got Talent and The Voice. <laughs> and, uh, Only the best. The best. <laughs> <laughs> and listen to our podcast Extra, which is an exclusive feature uh, for the website. Check out uh, our back catalogue of magazines. You can read all issues of Tricycle Magazine on our website for free. If you like our podcast, uh, you can subscribe for free on iTunes and every new episode will be automatically downloaded to your PC, iPhone or Android. You can also go to the moviewave.podbean.com to get access to our episode archive. If you agree or disagree with what we say, you can uh, share your thoughts on our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash themoviewave. Like us and uh, you will get notified about new reviews and you will also get regular updates on all the movie action. There is something for everyone. Now let's have a wee break and we'll be back talking about Marvel's Avengers Assemble. Did, did I pronounce it right? Yep. yep. Right. If you like listening to our show but you want more, what about an audiobook? 
like our podcast, an audiobook can be listened on the go, on the way to work, on the bus, at the gym, in your bed, anywhere you want. For you, the listeners of the Movie Wave, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a now extended trial. They give you 30 days to try their service. If you like it, you can stay in. If you don't, you can cancel it anytime and keep your free audiobook. For uh, those of you who are fans of comic books, why not listen to The Hulk? Maybe you've read the comics or you've seen the movies or, or you watched the TV show already, but why not enhance the experience and listen to the audiobook? It's very easy. You don't even have to read it. Someone will read it for you. You can just relax and listen to the narration. Bruce Banner is a bright scientist with, uh, with repressed emotions and few social skills. He's experimenting with the body's uh, ability to repair itself and fight disease. Uh, when Bruce is exposed to radiation in an accident that should have killed him, something uh, deep inside his own body starts to emerge. When he's provoked, when he's uh, pushed beyond reason, when anger takes over, he transforms into the Hulk. Banner watched him raptly looking for some small sign. What happened? came Edith's voice from the kitchen. Nothing, he fell, it's nothing, David called back, having no desire at all for his wife to come in, because he didn't want her to see what he was seeing. Little Bruce's arms were beginning to distend at the elbows, to grow and expand and twist into positions that could only be described as deformed. And it wasn't just his arms that were deforming. It was his entire body. David could see it under the little outfit, see the bumps and ripples bubbling on Bruce's skin, and his face. God, look at his face. With the upper brow starting to slide forward, Bruce looked like a Neanderthal. David felt as if he were watching thousands of years of evolution rolling back. You can get the Hulk or any other audiobook of your choice free by trying audible.com. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash themoviewave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash the movie wave for your free audiobook. You are listening to The Movie Wave. Right, we are back and it's time to talk about Marvel comic book adaptation Avengers Assemble, uh, directed by Joss Whedon and starring Iron Man, The Hulk, Thor, Captain America, Hawkeye and Black Widow. Let's play a clip. With that clip, uh, we'll probably get an idea. Uh, you can get an idea how the, the film is like. And um, Let's see, guys. What do you think about Avengers Assemble? 
I thought it was pretty pretty damn good. Um, right. To be honest, I was lucky enough to see it on 3D and IMAX, so it wasn't so much I saw it, it was more I experienced it. Um, I was right at the front and you can't really escape any of it and it was just in your face and so intense and really so much more kind of exciting and involving than I thought it would be um, compared to other comic book adaptations that I've seen. Um, It was very easy to get wrapped up in it and it did feel very, um, very Joss Whedon. Um, More than I, more than I anticipated. It was, you know, had a good balance of, of humor and kind of genuinely gripping kind of action and the plot kind of just raced through but didn't feel overly convoluted. It was just just a kind of really robust um, action film with some really kind of identifiable characters. And I th- honestly, I, I think the Hulk stole the show. I thought Mark Ruffalo, after all the kind of D- Bruce Banner incarnations we've had before, we've had um, Eric Barner, we've had uh, Edward Norton, and now I think Mark Ruffalo nailed it. I think yeah. he was... The perfect kind of, um, you know, kind of outspoken. Clearly, someone who's got a lot going up, got a lot going on upstairs, but isn't kind of letting it show because he's obviously got this really kind of troubled kind of condition. And, and it was, it was really a kind much of more interesting party. take on the character, I thought, compared to Ed Norton and Eric Banner. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I thought he um, he had a, a real kind of pathos to him that you didn't really get before. And there's a lot more flesh to, to the, the the Banner side of the character, um, and. It was it was good to kind of have that to latch onto, um, compared to sort of the, like I said the previous kind of incarnations and and it was and then when he was Hulk it was just brilliant I think the moment when Captain America is dishing out commands and he just goes Hulk smash and <laughs> that pretty much sold, sold the film for me I thought that was that was superb but yeah as as a whole I thought it was it was just absolutely brilliant um, and it, it kind of really built in a nice way. It wasn't like the first five minutes was Avengers assemble and they're assembled and it's done. It was. It had a real kind of believable structure to it. There was a build up. Yeah, totally, totally. Right. Um, f- f- can you tell us a little bit for those of the listeners who don't know who Joss Whedon is? I know he. I know he made Buffy the Vampire, Vampire something. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, can you put it in context? Any any of you who who Joe Whedon actually is, or what, what his background is? I should have made uh, more research. But... Um, he, he did Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which then went on to um, Angel, I believe, which yeah. is a spin off of Buffy. But yeah. he also the main qualifications he's got for this are two things. There was a program he did called Firefly, which yeah. was Nathan Fillion and enlarged ensemble cast. And it was unfairly cancelled after one series. <laughs> it was that, and then he did a film based on it uh, due to yeah. like you know fan calls. That was yeah. called. Yeah, I Serenity. saw. I saw the film. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and so you know the way he handles that big cast uh, and the dialogue is like a just weeded staple. Um, but he's also wrote many comic arcs for Marvel. So he's done X Men. He's done Avengers comics and all sorts. Uh, so despite the fact his last big film was Serenity that was some years ago I think it was about 2005 uh, yeah. those are the main two reasons that he was absolutely the perfect choice for this film I, I think he's in, also involved in the, uh, the Cabin in the Boots yeah yes I think yeah. he was yeah. right I mean, there's kind of little known things he did he um, uh, wrote the screenplay for Toy Story um, he... he's involved in X-Men as well I think yeah X-Men. yeah I think so. Um, an alien resurrection. Um, he's he done like, some bits here and there, um, uh, and yeah, no, he's he's 
Definitely, definitely much loved uh, for Hit Firefly and Serenity. And I, it's funny that you said Firefly is un, unfairly cancelled. I'm not sure mm. it's ever referred to as being cancelled without it being mentioned that it was unfair. No, <laughs> possibly not. Oh, he also did um, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, which I'll recommend oh, really? to anyone who listens, because I love that so much. Yeah, <laughs> it's, only right. 45, it's only 45 minutes long, but it's Neil Patrick Harris from How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a musical about a supervillain who's in love with a girl next door who falls for the superhero who's an absolute dick, and that's also Nathan Fillion. Uh, so, yes, seek that out if you can. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen part of it on... I think it's on YouTube, actually. Yeah, it should all be yeah. on YouTube. I've got it on DVD, but it is on YouTube. <laughs> well, it's just with basically just to summarize he's he's quite a geek <laughs> oh totally yeah right, i'd right. say that yeah right. well, <laughs> so he's, he's the, he was the, the the right person for for this project i guess uh, mark tell us a little bit about what you thought of uh, avengers assemble um, I'm going to do nothing but agree with George, to be honest. Um, even when I knew Joss Whedon had been announced to do the film, all the trailers and everything I saw about it made me think that it was going to be about 40 minutes set up, perhaps, and then one long action sequence. Um, yeah. You know, sort of, so like Transformers 3. Yeah. The road, you know, that sort of idea where there's a yeah. bit of setup and then just one big rest of the film, most of the film was being action sequence. Um, and. I just thought the way that it, I was so wrong. Um, there were so many nice self-contained action sequences, like the fight in the forest between Thor and Iron Man, yes. um, and bits on the shield helicarrier with Thor fighting the Hulk. I mean, it's a it's a classic superhero staple. And when two heroes meet, they will fight at the start. Yeah. Um, and that was that was portrayed so very well. Uh, dialogue, as I say, was brilliant. What really got it for me was just the balance of these characters. Mm. I, I, all the films, I, Iron Man film, the first one was brilliant. It's all yeah. right. The other films have been like, good, but not brilliant. Mm. So, you know, Thor was enjoyable. Captain America was enjoyable. Both the Hulks were terrible. We'll leave them to <laughs> one side. Um, but I thought to, that they all, all those characters against the odds shone in the Avengers possibly more than they did in their own films and mm-hmm. um, things like Tom Hiddleston as, as Loki was just so much better even than he was in Thor he was brilliant so, yeah. yeah he just he showed, he showed that depth of what had happened since since Thor and especially when he met up with Thor again that uh, was just mm. excellent um, but as I say but to have all those characters to have enough space but also to have a separate voice I mean a lot's always made of Robert Downey Jr and you know, yeah. if you're writing an Iron Man film, you could write around that. But to have him balanced with such opposite characters as um, as Bruce Banner and Captain America, and for them to sound like they've got their own voice as well, I thought it was just an amazing feat. Um, and yeah, the action was was very crisp and very exciting. There was one particular shot where it picked up. I think it started with Iron Man, but it, it tracked each Avenger through a fight sequence. And then the camera would pan on to the next one, and then stop. Yeah, and then yeah, the next I, I one would come that, on. Yes. Yeah, that was just excellent. But it was like this, you know, that was tempered with genuinely funny parts of the script, which I wouldn't want to give away. But like, even in the middle of fight scenes, it was really funny sections. <laughs> so I suppose yeah. with I mean, the Hulk actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was very impressed with the, with the dialogue. I mean, obviously, you can't you can't really avoid giving Downey Jr. funny lines just because he. Yeah. he to deliver them in such a in such a sort of almost trademark way now you kind of see glimpses of it in his other films like Sherlock and, yeah. and things like that but certainly in, bang bang absolutely yeah yeah I have an army we have a Hulk 
Oh, I thought the beast had wandered off. You're missing the point. There's no throne. There is no version of this where you come out on top. Maybe your army comes, and maybe it's too much for us, but it's all on you. Because if we can't protect the Earth, you can be damn well sure we'll avenge it. But even even in sort of, you know, the, the first Iron Man, he really kind of made Tony Stark his own in that kind yeah. of cocky billionaire um, with, with, a, with a heart kind of buried in there somewhere. Um, and I thought the, the kind of unexpected chemistry between him and Ruffalo with, uh, as, uh, you know, the Hulk, I thought was, was genuinely quite, you know, really engaging. And like you said, they, yeah. it was a, de- a, a real kind of feat of juggling when you've got these characters who are clearly big enough to have their own films. So there's a lot of muscle there. There's a lot of kind of ego and, and sort of presence. And to have them with their own kind of due screen time and due kind of persona, really, I think, yeah, you're, 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 you're spot on there, Mark. He, he just kind of juggled them really quite, quite adeptly. I think, I think what else is impressive, though, is that nothing I've read or seen. I mean, obviously, you're not going to get the whole story before Philip comes out, but there doesn't seem to be... I mean, we use the term ego as a sort of, you know, a loose term for big personalities, but there doesn't seem to be any sort of jostling for position. As, you know I mean? It seems like a very right. sort of collaborative effort on that part. I think that's yeah. probably down to Whedon as well. Yeah. I mean, I I couldn't help but detect a slight feeling of obsolescence on the part of Captain America. Mm. He, he did come across as understandably dislodged in time, which, you know, as far as the plot is concerned, makes makes perfect sense. Um, and I felt that every now and then there were, there were glimpses of him not feeling as useful. And then he obviously found, finds his feet as the as the plot kind of unfurls. But, yeah. Um, in terms of kind of the balance of, of roles, I did feel that not so much jostling for place, but at least trying to kind of in a, in a self doubt kind of way. I felt that that um, uh, Chris Evans there was was you know given a, a role that was sort of there's a team of people here that are all meant to be saving the world. What am I doing? How am I helping out? Yeah, he had the superpower of strategy at the end, didn't he? <laughs> he was just yeah. giving directions and rescuing people. Several, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I'd like to go back to the Hulk for a second, uh, if you don't mind. I mean, I've never really liked the Hulk at all. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a huge Marvel you like comics fan. Like the version? Oh, don't, don't get me started on that. <laughs> I've wrote essays on that. Thing. Honestly, um, what was that? <laughs> but um, I've, I've never, I love Marvel comics, but I've never liked the Hulk. Yeah. Uh, the, the two films just kind of proved to me why. I think, yeah. I think having the other characters to bounce the Hulk off worked incredibly well but also using the Hulk sparingly yeah. do you know what I mean it was like he, he wasn't the focus where the other films where you know you build up to the end and he turns into the Hulk and he has a massive fight yeah! there's nothing there apart from the Hulk smashing things Smash! whereas with the Avengers you got to see the character who didn't want to give in to the Hulk coming out yeah. and then even when he did he was just a part of it yeah, um, that's it's probably a wise decision on Marvel not to give Ruffalo his own films because he's probably better off with the other like other characters yeah. kind of disappearing first. He's yeah. very much a kind of like not out and out superhero. He is a guy with a condition, effectively. Yeah. His condition just so happens to be um, very destructive, which, when channeled in the right direction, can be productive. But um, it, yeah, no, I think you're right. He was definitely kind of downplayed and just kind of used as you know this guy has tremendous force. We need to kind of use that in the right way, but it's only because of his knowledge of, of 
of X, Y, and Z scientifically, mm-hmm. blah, 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 plot spoilers. But yeah, um, <laughs> I, I, I think I agree. I agree. What does Fury want me to do? Swallow it? He wants you to find it. It's been taken. It emits a gamma signature that's too weak for us to trace. There's no one that knows gamma radiation like you do. If there was, that's where I'd be. So Fury isn't after the monster? Not that he's told me. Then he tells you everything. Talk to Fury. He needs you on this. He needs me in a cage? No one's gonna put you in a cage. Stop lying to me! I'm sorry. That was mean. I just wanted to see what you do. We get it. The thing about the Hulk is he's very unpredictable and he can go out of control. He cannot really control it. So, uh, there is a lot of chaos and uh, devastation around, around this uh, superhero. Because I think it made him the most interesting uh, superhero of all. Uh, maybe, maybe Captain America was the, the most boring one. But he did, he did have a, kind of a role to play at the very end, as Mark uh, pointed out. I really I'd be interested. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. I really wouldn't say he was boring. I, I just think um, I just felt his his role was was less kind of um, wham bam in your face. It was it was more of a kind of patriotic, like Mark says, strategic kind of role. Right. I'd be interested to see what's in the deleted scenes because. From what I've read, there's at least you know another half hour that was cut out. Uh, so if any of you know if they're actually naked onto the Blu-ray DVD release, I'd be interested to see what sort of character moments that might have left out for Captain America. Yeah. So he probably had the first cut of four hours. Then it's <laughs> possible. Very very long first cut. Well, I've, I, it's it's I, it's. I it's it's it's, fast, it's it's great to, to to hear you guys talking with. Uh, the, I, I can sense that there is a, a, a lot of love for the for uh, the Avengers and uh, mm-hmm. and superheroes in general. So uh, um, it's getting me excited in some way. I don't know. It's making me feel like maybe maybe I should watch it again. Uh, I, I'm gonna apologize in advance because I think I'm gonna be a bit of a party party spoiler mm-hmm. here. And the, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the old grumpy man who yells, "Get off my lawn!" <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I'm not going to be all, all, all in negative. Uh, I think I have I have a few problems with this film, or I, I would say two disadvantages uh, that, that play against uh, my enjoyment of this film, which I, which I really wanted to enjoy actually. And the first one is my age. <laughs> I think it's my age. I'm going to be 34 soon, and I think uh, I suspect uh, it's uh, my age is slightly higher uh, than the age of. Uh, Maybe the average uh, targeted targeted audience. Uh, I, I I was sat next to two old people when I went to see it. You yeah, can't you, say you, that. You, you're much younger than me. <laughs> yeah, uh, but they were much older than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to clarify that. I'm, I'm not saying that the old people cannot enjoy this film. I can enjoy <laughs> comic books. I, as I point to that this is this is this is not only for a, for a young audience. But my, my, I think I would say, I would say mostly. Oriented to a, to a younger audience, uh, the, the second problem I have is the fact that I, I don't have uh, the investment that, uh, that probably you guys have uh, in this world of superheroes and comic books. So I think that plays a, a little bit against my uh, enjoyment of the film. And uh, as I said, I, I I understand that you don't have to be a kid to to like comic books. Uh, many many of them are uh, aimed. Uh, 
for uh, adults. And, uh, but my personal experience, which is what I'm talking about here, is not so much about the quality of the film. My personal experience with comic books is pretty much restricted to, to my childhood when I, when I read... Uh, I read a lot of Asterix and Obelix, and uh, some some also some funny Spanish comic books like uh, Mortadelo y Filemon and uh, Zippy Zappy, and a little bit of uh, Tintin as well. Mm-hmm. So, so my my only experience with the uh, Marvel superheroes was watching um, the TV series uh, about uh, the Incredible Hulk. Uh, that was uh, ba- back in the eighties. <laughs> you see, I'm very old. <laughs> so, so I think that that this lack of uh, familiarity is is a bit of a problem, a bit of a problem. So I, it's it's funny because uh, I used to think I was a geek because I loved movies, <laughs> and with the time I realized that no, I'm not so much of a geek because I, I don't really read comic books and I'm not into Star Wars or sci-fi TV series. So. Uh, uh, maybe I sometimes I like to be integrated in this world, but I realize maybe you don't have the you don't have the background, you don't have the I don't have the investment. It's, I, I, but now it's it's great to be to be a geek. I mean, it's it's more fashionable than ever, and um, you know you have the Comic Con and a lot of events going on, and and I think that the the big Hollywood studios have realized that there is a big market for these kind of films. Something that I think that probably. Uh, it really kicked off with the release of Spider-Man uh, some years ago. How how long ago was that? Ten years ago? With the first? Well, Sp- Spider-Man was ten, uh, but two thousand and one. Two thousand and one. Yeah, that, <laughs> that kind of makes sense. Yeah. But uh, the first X-Men was before that. Yeah. Uh, oh really? Okay. So yeah, I, that 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 was like the first one after, you know, in the gap between the last good Batman films. The, Burned once, right? Yeah. Right. That was the X Men. Everything's too X Men is also Marvel. It's a, it's a, yes, it's yeah, Marvel property. Well, well, this is the thing. I think it's it's the development of computer graphics, like the improvement of the technology that we have to to animate these things, is making them a really viable form of of movie, like a really viable yeah. movie genre. And I think that definitely has come into play when sort of the first X-Men, maybe X-Men 2, and certainly the Spider-Man trilogy. Now now the first decent Spider-Man trilogy, now we've got Andrew Garfield on his way. But, um, yeah, the reboot. Uh, to be honest, I've just got, just got to say, when I saw The Avengers, it was the best batch of trailers for any film I've ever seen before because it had um, the new Spider-Man, it had the new Hobbit, it had um, uh, Prometheus... I mean, it was just—it was a good, a good bunch of trailers. <laughs> I'm, I'm really looking forward to Prometheus. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm into the alien thing, yeah. <laughs> so maybe yeah. I am a bit of a geek after all. Geek comes in many forms. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm—I'm—I'm not—I I'm, I'm no, um, must admit—I'm—I uh, I used to be into these things in the beginning because I really liked um, Richard Donner's Superman and also like Tim Burton's uh, Batman. And uh, when when the, the Spider-Man film came out, I I, I enjoyed it, uh, part partly, not everything. I really liked the transformation uh, of the the main character from a man to a superhero. But I, I yeah. think that when the action starts, for me, it, I feel like it is like watching a video game that somebody else is playing, uh, and, and I get bored. I get a bit bored. <laughs> I feel very similar about the first Spider-Man. The yeah. the transformation sequence is is really captivating and really engaging because you. You can kind of put yourself in his shoes, and it's just a kind of enchantingly exciting thing. Like, oh, what if this happens to me? Sort of experience. But then the rest of it's just a bit. No. I think it's the, the the way it felt like with all the other superhero films that came after that, and uh, 
But again, you know, when I went to see the, the Avengers, I, th I went with a, with an open mind. Uh, I, tr I tried to get rid of um, all this prejudice that I built up, <laughs> I built up for, the, for the last few years. And I, I enjoyed the ride, actually. I think uh, Mark told me on the, on the last episode, or when we were on Skype, he told me that uh, just enjoy the ride. And uh, so I, I tried to do that. I, uh, unfortunately, it didn't work. It, it, didn't, it didn't work for... Uh, for what I just said, I think the film uh, wasn't aimed for me, and uh, that might, that might be one of the problems. And uh, uh, another thing that I want to talk about before just deep in, uh, diving in the, the the actual the actual film, which I'm going to be more positive about the film itself. But the, the experience of watching the film for me was a little bit depressing, and um, it, it was <laughs> it was depressing uh, because. First, because I felt old, <laughs> and uh, maybe I have lost a bit of uh, a little bit of my inner child. And, uh, it was depressing also because I saw it in Cineworld, uh, where um, you know you, you spend quite a lot to, to see a oh. film. I think it was more than ten pounds to see the film. I think Cineworld is depressing. Yes, <laughs> you, you, you go through you know twenty five minutes of commercials, and you are in this like in this place uh, this kind of corporate multiplex <laughs> so th this is not like a, the most magical romantic place to watch a film uh, so you have even like 10 screens uh, to see like different films but they, I, I don't feel that it is an actual choice I think it's more the illusion of a uh, choice because Cineworld uh, if you think about it uh, uh, I think uh, it's a place where business uh, is, is much more important than, than, than movies. And you have all this popcorn around you and all this trying to sell, sell you stuff. And 95% 90, of the films that they, they play, they come from, uh, from the United States. Uh, and they, I think they are all mostly entertainment uh, and, 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 and distraction. And I, I love entertainment and I, lo I love escapism and, and I love American movies as well and blockbusters. But uh, I think that if you want to do something else, uh, you, you're not going to find it in Cineworld. So, so that that was something that put me off. Uh, that the the context of uh, where I where I saw I saw the film. Well, that's it. Uh, and not to be all negative, I will say that uh, when I actually saw the film, uh, I, I I felt like Joe uh, uh, Sweden, These guys. There's someone who, who really cares about uh, about what he's doing. Uh, you can you can feel it. He he cares about the characters. And he seems to have uh, uh, to have made the film with a lot of care and uh, a love for the Marvel universe. And I think it, it shows. It kind of transcends. And, and there are some good um, uh, witty dialogues, as uh, Mar uh, no Mark George pointed out before. And then you were talking about Tom Hiddleston, and he's, I agree, he's, he was actually very good as the villain of the film. It's an impressive cage. Not built, I think, for me. Built for something a lot stronger than you. Oh, I've heard. Her mind is beast. Makes play, he's still a man. How desperate are you? And you call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill cause it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. It burns you to have come so close. To have the Tesseract, to have power, unlimited power. And for what? 
a warm light for all mankind to share. And then to be reminded what real power is. Well, let me know if real power wants a magazine or something. And then Robert Downey Jr., of course, he, I think he makes uh, the character of um, uh, Tony Stark, uh, this wealthy and arrogant character, he makes it kind of cool and uh, charming. And, and he, uh, I want to mention also Mark Ruffalo, I think he's great as the, the Hulk. For me, it was the best thing in the film. I, I really loved the, the hook. Just yeah. to, to see him transforming and becoming the Hulk, I thought it was awesome. Uh, which is which awesome, by the way, is uh, the adjective that uh, most of the fans of the film love to use. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think what helped a lot was the fact that um, Ruffalo is the first person to play Banner and the Hulk if he was motion captured. What is yeah, because the rest the rest of them be just either another actor or CGI, whereas they actually motion capped um, Mark Ruffalo. I think that probably helped quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. I thought you could detect a hint of Ruffalo in the in the the animated Hulk. That must yeah, be, that, the must, that, that must be it. There must be something. It had something in it. I don't know how to explain it. It's kind kind of weird. I, I think it was a bit. I think the Hulk was a little bit cheekier as well. Uh, obviously, it goes back to the. the some of the fight sequences, you know, bits of the breathing space in between. But I think they yeah. just made it a bit more fun than some of the other ones. I mean, Anne yeah. Lee's horrendous, you know, child psychology textbook film was that did no favours whatsoever. Uh, and then The Incredible Hulk was just trying to be too much of an all-out actioner. But when you've got an all-out actioner where you two protagonists can't speak to each other and just end yeah. up punching each other in the face, it doesn't really give much investment. So, yeah, so I think that's yeah. probably why it worked much better this time. So, so, so I think for me there was there were, there were things there were things to enjoy. But when I left the theater, I left a, a little a little tired after after uh, <laughs> all, all the noise and the explosions. And I remember I went with a friend, and when I left the, the cinema, he said, "Well, what are you, you going to do now?" I said, "I'm going to watch a film." He said, "What film?" <laughs> I said, "I'm going to watch a film with humans in it." <laughs> <laughs> But uh, as you see, uh, for a you know a grumpy old man like me, it wasn't all negatives. I give I, I, give, I do give credit to Josh Whedon and uh, and some of the actors in the film. They, they, I think they did a good job with it. Uh, I don't know that you guys have, to have some final words here. Uh, would you recommend this film? I think I think what I think I know what the answer is. Do we say really? <laughs> Right. Uh, I mean, so as, uh, final as words. Far as, as, far, as far as I've concerned, I mean, it's what was it? Four years ago, the first Iron Man came out, and there was a tiny minute, minute and a half section at the very end of the credits, which kind of alluded to this massive undertaking by yeah. Marvel's new film department that they were going to do an Avengers film. Exactly. Because uh, if, if Shield's involved, you think, ah, yeah. maybe there's something in the way on the way. Oh. And then just just the mention of the word Avengers at the end of that film was just you know mind-boggling that they would even attempt such a crazy idea, right. and by giving it the room and each separate films to set up, yeah. just, and for it to culminate so well, I think yeah. they've took their time, they've released a, seri- a steady series of good films, and they've all worked together to make one film that's been better than been, some of its parts it could have been terrible <laughs> sorry it could have been terrible you know it could have, could have been yeah. a big whimper very easy i mean especially if they hadn't released those other films if they just like tried to introduce even one or two characters yeah. away from 
um, separate films, it would have failed. Or if the casting had been wrong, but they've just they've got it so right and just to make the Avengers film just like two hours and twenty minutes of just joy and good action. So yeah. yes, I'd definitely go and see it. But possibly try and see the other films on DVD first. Yeah, uh, my help. Uh, do, right. do you think? Do you think they will? They they will do a, a film with Superman and uh, Batman together or something? like that? I think they'd like to. But I, just, I don't see how it could work. I mean, I think Nolan's trilogy is going to be the end of Nolan's trilogy, and then yeah. anything yeah. to do with Batman afterwards, they're going to have to reboot the character. And if they want yeah. to try and make that fit into the realm of Superman, I mean, Batman by its definition is a bit more gritty. I think get away with that in comics more than you possibly can in film. I mean, none of the Marvel character, mainstream canon Marvel characters can be accused of being too gritty. I mean, it's not like trying to put the Punisher into the middle of the Avengers because it just wouldn't work. No. Right, uh, we're running out of time here, so uh, George, some final words? Um, see it. It's <laughs> <laughs> short and uh, yeah, good choice. <laughs> clear, clearer than water. Uh, Uh, yes, uh, I mean, I think that if you like comic books, you, you, you most probably love this film. Uh, it, it was definitely made for you. Uh, but uh, I, I would personally, I would rather recommend a film that also has uh, superheroes and it has Samuel L. Jackson in it. Uh, but I think it might appeal to a more diverse audience as well. That's Unbreakable. Uh, it was directed by, um, by the great M. Night Shyamalan. And uh, also, he, he also has a lot of love for comic books. Uh, a lot of uh, very dramatic action scenes and a very original approach to the to the genre of the superhero genre. And if you want something more cheerful, you can watch uh, Team America, which like the Avengers, it has a lot of action and distraction in it. <laughs> some some witty laughs as well. And the most surprising thing of all, it actually has something to say. <laughs> so, yeah. so I, I, well, I think we can wrap it up now before uh, these two guys start beating me up. <laughs> and, uh, that was it for episode 20 of the Movie Wave. Uh, thank you, George and Mark, for joining the show. Uh, we hope to have you both back uh, sometime soon. Uh, yeah, for for more uh, film reviews, go to tricycle.co.uk where you can read all the issues of uh, Tricycle Magazine for free on your PC, laptop, Android, iPhone or iPad. Tricycle Magazine is now responsible for the content of this program and all opinions and views expressed on the show are solely of the individuals. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be surfing the wave soon. This podcast is a production of Calvinet Entertainment for Tricycle Magazine. Find out more at tricycle.co.uk. That's T-R-I-S-I-C-K-L-E dot co.uk. Avengers, once again we've prevailed in the fight against tyranny. We've knocked down the walls of oppression, kicked fascism's ass, and saved this innocent little kitten from that villainous Nazi tree. With minimal damage to the surrounding area. 
And we did it all by working as a team. Right, guys? I have a bow and arrow. Yes, we know. Hey, you guys, where's the Hulk? Hulk smash! I knew we should have gone with Spider-Man.